0: Amen. All right, well, we're there in Deuteronomy chapter number eight. And I'd like you to look down at verse number one, in Deuteronomy chapter number eight. And uh, verse number one, the Bible says this All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. I want you to notice these words that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Now, in this passage, we have the children of Israel getting ready to enter into the promised land. God is getting ready to allow them to go into the promised land, and he's explaining to them, and I want you to notice, he's explaining to them that he wants to bless them. He says, that ye may live, and multiply, and go in, and possess the land. He says, the way that you are able to be blessed by God is by keeping the commandments. He says, all the commandments which I command thee this day. And you need to understand that God gives us laws and God gives us rules not because He wants to put us into bondage but because He desires to bless us. And the blessings of God always come through the door of obedience. It is when we obey God that He is free to bless us. However, there is a problem, and problem's not the right word, but there, there's, an, there's an issue with the blessings of God, and it's not the blessings of God that are the problem, but it's the, you and I have, the, I have a problem, because whenever God blesses us, we have a tendency of being full in the blessings of God. Skip down to verse number 7. Notice what he says in verse 7. He says, for. Now the word for there means Because. He says, Because the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of waters. Now notice the blessing of God. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil. Uh, olive And honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if, if God's going to give me a land, I, I like that description. That's a good description. He's saying, I'm going to give you a good land. He said, it's going to be a great land that I want to give you. But here's the tendency, verse 10, when thou hast eaten and art full. You see that word full there? He says, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten, notice this phrase, and art full, and has built goodly houses, and dwelt therein. Notice verse number 13, uh, Deuteronomy 8 and verse number 13, he says this, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, that's a good thing, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, that's a good thing, and all that thou hast is multiplied. Notice what he says in verse 14, then thine heart be lifted up. That's what I want to talk to you tonight, about having a heart that is lifted up. He says, then thine heart be lifted up, And thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. See, God wants to bless you. God doesn't want you to live a life of, of suffering, now we realize that the Christian life involves suffering. We realize that there is always suffering and persecution that's connected to the Christian life. but you know Jesus said that He came to give us life and that we might have it more abundantly. you know what God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you financially and God wants to bless your health and God wants to bless your relationships. He wants to be able to give you the blessings that he has desired that he has in store. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, That we have been quickened in Christ, and we have been risen with Christ, and yes, we have been blessed, and God has given us great blessings through Christ. The fact that we are saved uh, tells us that God wants to bless us, but the problem with the blessing of God is that when we are blessed, we will often become full. Now here, he's talking about being full, meaning you're not starving. Talking about being full, meaning you have everything you need. But you know what happens usually when we're full in the sense that we have all we need, we've been taken care of, we have a nice place to live, we have security, we have a career, we have jobs, we have everything that, that, that we need. We're not only full physically, but we usually just get full of ourselves. And our hearts get lifted up. And our hearts get... Filled, get, get lifted as our bellies get filled. Go, go, keep your place there in Deuteronomy. That's our text for tonight. But go to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter number 13. If you go towards the end of the Old Testament and you find those major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, then you've got Daniel and Hosea. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Hosea. While you turn there, let me say this. In the United States of America, we're very full tonight. Are we not? I mean, we live in the most prosperous country in the world. I mean, our people, the people that live in the United States of America that are under the poverty level are doing better than most people around this world. If you go hungry in the United States, it's because you want to go hungry. I mean, you can go anywhere. You can go anywhere and find food in this country. Uh, you know, it's, it's always interesting to me as a church, Well, and I don't get these calls anymore because I don't pick up the phone anymore, uh, I've got other guys that take care of that, but uh, I'm sure that if you talk to Brother Oliver, Brother Stuckey, they probably, I'm sure we still get these calls, but it seems like every day I would get a call from someone you know, wanting us to bring, give them food and things, and we never denied people, we always told people, here's the deal, you come to church and we'll have food for you there. You know, it's, it's very rare people that people actually showed up for church, you know. But, you know, in the, in the U.S., you can find food anywhere. You can be full anywhere. Are you there in Hosea 13? Look at verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. Hosea 13 and verse 5. I did know thee in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. He said, when I knew you, you were in the wilderness and in the land of great drought. According to their pasture, notice what he says, so were they filled. They were filled. Notice what happens when they got filled and their heart was exalted. In Deuteronomy, we were told that their hearts were lifted up. Here, we're told that their hearts were exalted. Now, what does that mean? The idea there of having your heart lifted up or having your heart exalted, it's this idea of pride. Your heart gets lifted up in pride. And your, your heart gets exalted in pride. And you say, well, why, why preach about a lifted up heart, an exalted heart, a pride-filled heart? And here's what you need to understand. We've got to kind of tackle this idea of pride because Pride is the underlining base of the rest of the heart issues that we'll deal with in this series. We're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about bitterness. We're going to talk about depression. And please listen to me very carefully. All of those issues are rooted in pride. They are rooted in a heart that is lifted up. And you might say, well, I don't, I don't see how being bitter would be prideful." Well, stay tuned. We're going to look at that. From Scripture, you say, I don't know how being depressed would be a pride-filled issue. Oh, no, you don't? When your focus is all on yourself and on your issues and on your problems? That's pride. And pride is a problem that, that we all deal with. We all suffer with. But I want to give you just two things tonight of the, the, the cause of, That comes from a lifted heart. If you'd like to take notes, I'd like to write these statements down. And if you've got a child on your lap or something like that, I understand why you might not be able to do that. But I'd like to write this down. Number one, when your heart is lifted up, you will forget God. When your heart is lifted up, you will forget God. Keep your place there in Hosea. We're going to come right back to it. But go back to Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says this. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Now notice what he says in verse number 11. He's just talked about all the blessings that he wants to give you. Then he says this, Beware. Beware. He says, Be, be careful that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes and which I command thee to stay lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein and when thy herd and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou, has, uh, that thou hast is multiplied notice verse 14 then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God see he says hey beware that, you've not, that, that thou forget not the Lord thy God and then in verse 14 he says then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. When I was growing up, we, I, I, we went to a Spanish church in the Bay Area. I grew up in Hayward and uh, Oakland area, I guess, and we went to a Spanish church. I went to Spanish church from when I was born till about a sophomore in high school when we moved to Sacramento and we started going to an English church. And I remember. My dad would always say this to me and my my brother, or I'm sure my sister, and um, because what what would happen in this Spanish church, you know, we dealt with a lot of uh, there's a lot of illegal immigrants, obviously, you know, illegal immigrants coming into the country, and these were very poor people, very humble people, and oftentimes we would reach these. Immigrants, you know, they were here in a country all by themselves, working and sending money back home. And uh, our church would get them saved, and uh, you know, and and when they first got here, they were very humble, very humble people, and they would come to church. You know what? They were in a lot of need, and and they just needed help, and they were lonely, and they were scared, and they would come to church and they would get saved, and they would get baptized. And my dad would always say to me, he'd always say to us, "It's, it's so funny how human nature is." Because you get some illegal immigrant here and you start loving on them and praying for them. And then they get a job somewhere. It's not even that great of a job. It's just a job. And then you get some car. It's not even that great of a car. It's just a car. And now they're no longer living in an apartment with, you know, eight other guys. But maybe they got an apartment with just two guys. It's not even that nice of an apartment in that nice of town. It's just a little nicer than what they had before. And all of a sudden their hearts get lifted up and all of a sudden they don't need church anymore. And I used to think that was just poor Hispanic people. But you know what I realized as I pastor Verity Baptist Church for the last six and a half years? Good old-fashioned American people will come to church when they're broken, will come to church when their marriages are falling apart, when their children are going wayward, when they've lost their jobs and they're losing their careers, and they'll get a car. Maybe a little nicer than illegal immigrants, but they'll get a car. And they'll get a job. Maybe a little nicer than illegal immigrants, but it's just a job. And they might move into a nicer home than the one they were living in. You know what I noticed? It's everyone's tendency to forget God when God begins to bless, when God begins to do something, when God begins to restore. All of a sudden, things are going better than they used to be. And you know what happens? Our hearts get lifted, and we forget God. And it doesn't matter if you're an illegal immigrant working at McDonald's or if you are a CEO The more blessings you have from God, the more tendency you have to forget God. And all of a sudden, God's not that important. And listen to me, you better be very careful about not having, allowing the blessings of God to come into your life. I pray, I pray for you. uh, You know, I pray that the people in our church would be blessed financially. I pray that God would give you bonuses and I pray that God would give you promotions. I pray for those of you that have businesses that God would bless your businesses and give you the clients you need and give you the work that you need. But you know, sometimes that's a fearful prayer because I've noticed when people start doing well, all of a sudden, yeah, I don't know that I really need church. And we forget God. You say, well, what's the big deal about forgetting God? Well, the problem with forgetting God, keep, keep your place keep your place there in, in Hosea. Actually, go, go to Second Chronicles chapter number 32. Say, so, See, I used to think, this is what I used to think. I used to think, oh, that's just illegal, poor illegal immigrants. They get a little bit of blessings. They get a little bit of America, and they forget God. But you know what? Americans forget God, too. Rich people forget God, too. 2 Chronicles 32 and verse number 22. 2 Chronicles 32 and verse number 22. And for what? It's always interesting to me what we sell out for. What do you sell out for? Oh, well, I got this real nice car. Is that what you're going to sell out for? And quit serving God for that? For that house? What's well, in a gated community? But that's what, that's what it takes. That's all it took for God to just give you a little bit of a raise. For God to allow you to move into a little bit of a nicer neighborhood. For God to allow you to drive a little bit of a new car. That's all it took to sell your soul out. To forget God. To quit soul winning. To quit Bible reading. To quit church attendance. That's all it took. Man, you know, I, I, I just think if you're going to sell out, man, sell out for something more than that. Sell out for more than money. Second Chronicles 32, look at verse 22. It happens to rich people too. Here you have a king. 2 Chronicles 32 and verse 22. Notice what the Bible says. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a very powerful king. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hands of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hands of all the others, and guided them every side. And many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Successful man. He rescued his nation from destruction. Notice so that he was magnified in the sight of all nations from thenceforth. He he became famous. People knew Hezekiah. In those days, Hezekiah was sick to death and prayed unto the Lord, and he spake unto him, and he gave him a sign. But Hezekiah, notice verse 25, but Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. You know what the Bible is saying? God benefited Hezekiah, and Hezekiah did not render back to God the acknowledgement that all of these blessings have came from the Lord. That it is God who put me in this position. Why? Notice, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. He ended up getting right. But I want you to notice, when his heart was lifted up, his heart was filled with pride. Why? Because he rendered not again according to the benefit. Listen to me. You you, you know, we sing that song, count your blessings, name them one by one. You ought to count your blessings. Don't just sing the song, actually count your blessings. Don't just sing the song, sit there and say, man, God has given me this, and God is giving me this, and God has done this for me, and God has done this for me, and, and render and realize that that came from the Lord. And don't allow it to lift up your heart. Do you forget God? You say, well, what's the big deal about forgetting God? Go back to Deuteronomy 8 and verse number 11. Now, you should keep your place there in 2 Chronicles. We're going to come right back to it. So, you've got to have your place in Deuteronomy 8. You've got to have your place in, in Hosea. And you got to have your place in 2 Chronicles 30, uh, 32. And go to Deuteronomy 8. Look at verse number 11. Say, what's the big deal about forgetting God? Here's the big deal about forgetting God when we forget God, we also forget his commandments. Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. How do you do that? You say, well, how, what does it mean to forget God? It means I woke up one day and I, I have amnesia. Who's God? Is that what that means? No, here's what it means Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. God says, when you don't keep my commandments, you don't, you, you, when, when you forget God, you forget his law. When you forget God, you don't keep His commandments. You say, well, what's the big deal about not keeping His commandments? The big deal about not keeping His commandments is that when we forget God, not only do we forget His commandments, but when we forget His commandments, we are going to transgress His commandments. Go, go back to 2 Chronicles. Go to chapter number 26 this time. Second Chronicles chapter number 26 and look at verse number 14. Let's look at another king. Second Chronicles 26 and verse number 14. When our hearts are lifted up, we have a tendency to forget God. When our hearts are filled with pride, we have a tendency to forget God. You say, what's the big deal? When you forget God, you have a tendency to forget His commandments. You say, what's the big deal? When you forget His commandments, you are likely to transgress His commandments. Second Chronicles 26 and verse number 14. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and hapergians and bows and slings to cast stones this is Uzziah the king and he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. and his name notice spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped till he was strong he got strong he, got, he was blessed. He got a little bit of fame. Look at verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Notice, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar. See, you know what happens is when we are humbled, when things are not going well, we need God and we say, God, I love you and God, I want to follow you and God, I want to keep your commandment. But when we start getting blessed a little bit, things start going well a little bit. We get out of that storm a little bit. And our hearts start getting lifted up. And we begin to forget God. And we begin to forget His commandments. And we begin to sin against God. And of course, when we sin... God has to chastise us, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but I want you to understand what happens when your heart is lifted, number one, your heart gets lifted when you forget God but there's another issue with pride, allowing pride in your heart, and you say well what what is that, Uh, go, go to Proverbs chapter number 28 if you open your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms, and just the next book over is Proverbs, I said number one, when your heart is lifted up you will forget God, but I'd like you to write this statement down, here's point number two when your heart is lifted up, you you will also fight with others. When your heart gets lifted up, you will fight with others. Proverbs twenty-eight and verse twenty-five. I want you to I want you to get there. I want you to see it. You gotta underline this in, the, in your Bible. Some of you need to memorize this verse. Proverbs twenty-eight and verse twenty-five. He that is of a proud heart, do you see that? He that is of a proud heart. Don't miss this. Stirreth up strife he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat listen to me very carefully all arguments are rooted in this idea of pride you've got a marriage you've got a husband or wife and all they do is fight all they do is argue like dogs and cats every day it's just one big argument I just tell you you've either got one or two individuals that are full of pride doesn't the Bible say esteeming others better than ourselves? Well, what's the, what's the fight in a marriage? Back and forth, husband and wife fighting. What's the problem? Here's the problem is that you're not, you don't have one person esteeming others better than yourself. You've got two people saying, I need to be esteemed better than you. See, look, when you're fighting with your spouse or when you're fighting with your co-worker or when you're fighting, whatever it is you're fighting with, just, just remember, in the midst of that fight, in the midst of that heat, you got to just stop for a second and say this. You got to say, you know what the problem is here? You know what the issue is here? That I want to have the preeminence. Because I'm not getting what I want. I mean, is that not why we fight? Is that not why we argue? Is that not why we stir up strife? Why? I want my way. That's what a wife will say. I want my way. That's what a husband will say. I want my way. That's what a friend will say or a co-worker will say or a neighbor. Why? Because he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. So how do you solve arguments? Esteem other better than yourself. If you as a husband and wife learn how to esteem each other better than yourselves, you have a perfect marriage. You don't argue about who gets to serve the other. Who gets to do for the other? Who gets to love the other? You, you know, when a when a wife says. My goal in life is to be the helpmate that God has given to this man to help him succeed in life. And if anyone's got to lose, it'll be me. If anyone's got to sacrifice, it'll be me. I will do everything I can to help him succeed. And her husband in turn says, My goal in life is to be the spiritual leader of this woman and help her be blessed and help her walk with God. And if anyone's got to lose, it's me. And if anyone's got to sacrifice, it's me. And I will do everything to help her succeed. Look, when you got two people like that, Marriage gets fun, but when you got a wife who says, "I want it my way," and you got a husband who says, "Well, I want it my way," and you got two people that are filled with pride, a proud heart stirreth up strife. But he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. You're there in Proverbs twenty-eight. Go to Proverbs chapter number three. Proverbs chapter number three. Go into one of these kids' rooms. Watch the two-year-olds fight. I want that ball. No, I want that ball. Why well, do think I deserve it? Why? Because it's pride. It's just pride in our hearts. It starts from the day we're born. The day we're born, we're the center of attention, are we not? I've got a little baby Ruth. She's the center of attention. And right now, she is the center of attention. She's the cutest thing in the house. But you know, the problem is that she'll, one day she's going to be a two-year-old who's got to get that spanked out of her. And listen to me, some of you never got that spanked out of you. That's the problem. Some of you never had a mom and dad that made you realize you're not the center of the universe. And that life is not all about you. It's not all about you having your way and making sure that you're happy. And as long as you're happy, it don't matter if everybody else is miserable. That is pride and lifting up hearts that cause strife. Proverbs 3 and verse 34, notice what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34, notice what the Bible says. Surely he, surely he, notice notice this, scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. Now, the reason I had you turn to this verse is because this verse is actually quoted in the New Testament. So I want us to compare the quotation. Keep your finger there in Proverbs 3. And let's go to the book of James, James chapter number 4. James chapter 4, if you start at the end of the New Testament and head backwards, you got the book of Revelation, Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 2nd, and 1st Peter, James, James chapter number 4, and look at verse 6. Now, make sure we, you can look at both of them together, because I want you to compare, in scripture, sometimes when a verse is quoted from the Old to the New Testament, you can compare the quotes and learn, you know, definitions of words and how God looks at words. Proverbs three and verse thirty four says this: For he shall, for surely he, that's God, scorneth the scorners, but he, that's God, giveth grace unto the lowly. I want you to notice that in Proverbs three thirty four there are two parts to this verse. There is he, there's a scorning of the scorners. God is going to scorn those that scorn, and there is giving grace to the lowly. All right, James four six. This verse is quoted. Let's look at it. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, so he's telling us, I'm going to quote from the Bible. Wherefore he saith, notice, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Now the last part of James 4.6 says this, but giveth grace unto the humble. The last part of Proverbs 3.34 says this, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. So what can we learn from that? Here's what we can learn. The word lowly means humble. It's a synonym. Doesn't that make sense? A lifted up heart is pride. An exalted heart is pride. The opposite of lifting up and exalting is lowliness. By the way, this is why things like Facebook are so dangerous. I'm not against Facebook. I don't think being on Facebook is a sin. But I think there's a danger in things like Facebook where we have these avenues where they're just kind of laying themselves to always exalting ourselves. To always boasting and bragging. And look at me, and look how great, I mean, I I don't know, I don't have Facebook, but I'm pretty sure none of you ever go on Facebook and say, let me just make a post about how terrible of a parent I am. (laughs) Let let me just tell everybody how my marriage is so messed up, right? I don't think think you guys go, let me just let the whole world know how wonderful this Motel 6 is, which is all we could afford for vacation today. I don't think nobody goes on Facebook and does that. Don't we always make ourselves look a lot better than we really are? Because we want to make people envy us. Want to make people, you know, we want people to think our marriage is better than it really is and our children are better than they really are. Look, you better be careful about always exalting yourself. And spiritual people like to do this a lot. Look how spiritual I am. I'm so pious. I even drive like this. I mean, I just, I'm always like this. Look how wonderful I am. And you laugh. And you laugh, but get around spiritual people. And you'll find that it is spiritual people who will often have their hearts lifted up. Well, I know so much and I understand so much and I've done so much, and look at all the people I've gotten saved. And look, I'm thankful for all the people you've gotten saved. But if you get if you get people saved, just so you can tell people you got people saved, there's a problem there. If everything you do is just so that you can have one more thing to let the world know about there's something wrong with your heart, it's lifted. And God tells us here that to be humble is to be lowly. Isn't that what the Bible says about Jesus? That He lowered Himself, that He humbled Himself. But I want you to notice. We're told by comparing these two verses, humble and lowly are the synonyms. So let's find the synonym for proud. James 4.6, God resisteth the proud. Proverbs 3, 34. surely he scorneth the scorners. I want you to notice that in this passage, we're told lowly and humble are the same thing. And here's what we're told. Proud people and scorners are the same thing. What does it mean to scorn? It means to disdain. It means to look down upon. It means to hate, to talk bad about. You say, what what do prideful people do? Here's what prideful people do. They put people down. Because listen to me, in order for me to lift myself up, I've got to pull others down. In order for me to make myself look good, sometimes it's not making me look good, it's just making you look bad. It's just putting you down. And oftentimes, in order to exalt ourselves, we have to lower others. But God says, why don't you just lower yourself? And let God exalt you. See, scorners, go back to, go back to uh, Proverbs. In fact, don't, don't go to Proverbs. Go to the book of Psalms right before Proverbs. If you've got your place there in Proverbs, go to Psalm 102. People who scorn will treat others. People who are proud will treat others with contempt and disdain. Psalm 10 and verse 2. See, when, we are, when our hearts are lifted up, we will, we will fight with others. When our hearts are lifted up, we will fight with others. Psalm 10 and verse 2. Psalm 10 and verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. The wicked in his pride. Notice what the Bible says. Don't miss this. The wicked in his pride. The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. I would submit to you that only prideful people persecute others. A humble person is not going to persecute somebody. They're not going to attack people. Why? Because they're humble. Because they realize I'm not in any position. To attack anybody else. But the wicked in his pride... Doth persecute the poor. Look look at Psalm 36 verse 11. Psalm 36 verse 11. Notice what the psalmist said. Psalm 36 verse 11. He says, Let not the foot of pride... Come against me. Why didn't he say... "Let Let not the foot of the humble... Come against me. You know why he didn't say that? Because humble people won't come against you. Listen to me. When you are fighting... When you are arguing... When you are persecuting, just realize that comes from a heart that is lifted up with pride. You ought to just stop, stop the argument. Just stop. Just say, listen, honey, listen. You want to know why we're fighting? Here's why we're fighting. Because I want my way. And I think I should have the preeminence. Because that's where arguments come from. See, when our hearts get lifted up, we forget God. And when our hearts get lifted up, we fight others. Say, well, what, what, what do we do? How do we solve this? Well, let me give you three things you ought to do. Three, three things you need to remember in order to help you with this lifted up heart. Go back, go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Because he said, he said, you forget the Lord. So he said, I want you to remember. But he doesn't just want you to remember anything. There's certain things. In fact, there's three things. We'll just, in closing, give you these three things. I'm not even sure how long I've been preaching, but I preached a little longer than I should have this morning, so I'll try to be done fast. Deuteronomy 8, look at verse 2. There's three things that you should remember. Maybe you can jot these down. Number one, remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. Notice what he says. And thou shalt remember. He says, and thou shalt remember. What do you want me to remember, God? Notice. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee. From where did the Lord thy God lead thee? Well, skip down to verse 14. Same chapter. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 14. That thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Here's what he's telling them. You're about getting ready to go into the land... I'm going to give you a good land. It's going to be a great land. It's going to be flowing with milk and honey. He says the stones will be like iron. He says you won't have scarcity of bread. He said it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. There'll be waters. There'll be fields. There'll be everything that you need. But when you start thinking about forgetting God, when you start having, when, when you can feel that pride welding up in front inside of you, and when you start looking at the things that God gave you, and you start thinking about how great you are, here's what he says remember where I got you from. Remember that when I met you, you were a slave in Egypt and I led you that way. And listen to me as a Christian. When your heart starts getting a little lifted up, just remember, what you deserve is to die and go to hell. What you deserve is to spend eternity in hell for the rest of your life, burning and torment. That's what we all deserve. I like, I like, you'll have, sometimes you'll have people, you know, you'll ask them, how you doing? Better than I deserve. good response. Sometimes you ask other people, how you doing? Well, my life is terrible, you know. My husband. Well, you know, my life is. You know, let me, let me just give you a hint. When people ask you how you're doing, they don't really care how you're doing. <laughs> They're just saying that. How you doing? Good. That's all you want. You know, how you doing? Well, let me, you, like, you got some time? No, actually, I don't, have, I don't have some time. <laughs> how, you, how you doing? Well, my life is just, you know. You know why you feel that way? Because you think you deserve better. You know why you fight with your husband? Because you think you deserve better. You know why you fight with your wife? Because you think you deserve better. I I often tell people this. I'm not trying to be rude to you, but I'll tell people this in in marriage counseling. Look, if you could have done better, you would have done better. You didn't do better. There's a reason for that. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm just telling you, this is the wife that God gave you. This is the husband that God gave you. This is the job that God gave you. This is the lot that God gave you. This is the life that he gave you. And here's what you need to remember. When you start getting lifted up with pride, or when you start getting down in the dumps with depression, which is nothing but pride in reverse, just remember what you deserve is to die and go to hell. And anything you've got better than that, you're doing better than you deserve. He says, remember. He says, remember where you came from. He says, remember that I led you. Look look at Deuteronomy 8 verse 2. He said, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what is in thine heart. You know how sometimes God brings you through the wilderness just to see how you will react. Just to see. see, he'll, He'll bring you through the wilderness and he says, "Canaan land is just in sight. It's just a seven day trip. I'm just going to have you go through the wilderness for this short time before you get the blessing. I just want to prove you and the children of Israel go into the promise, go into the wilderness for seven days. And you know what they do for the seven days? They complain, they lack faith. They they and I'm sorry, they were there for more than seven days. They stopped in Mount Horeb, but that whole time they were not supposed to be there for 40 years." But God leaves them there. Why? Because he was proving them. Because he wanted to know what was in their heart. Because he needed to humble them. And he needed to allow them to suffer. So you say, well, what do you do? You you remember where you came from. Go go back to Hosea just real quickly. Hosea chapter 13, look at verse 4. Hosea 13 and verse 4. Hosea 13 and verse 4. I like this verse. We, We should write this verse down and just put it we should, You just put it in the steering wheel of your car. Every time you get in your car, you got to just look down at this. Hosea 13, verse 4. Yet I am the Lord thy God. Notice what he says. From the land of Egypt. He said, remember that I've been with you since the land of Egypt. Remember that I've been with you since bondage. Remember that I've been with you. Saying, and by the way, the land of Egypt represents the world and represents the fact that we were in bondage to the world. And Moses is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who comes and delivers us out of the world and brings us into freedom. And the Canaan land, is a picture of the victorious Christian life. And he says, when you're living that great Christian life and your heart begins to lift up, remember that you serve God who brought you forth out of the land of Egypt. Remember that I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. And thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. Go back to Deuteronomy 8. You say, what do I remember? What do I need to remember in order to keep my heart from lifting up? Number one, remember where you came from. Number two, remember where your blessings come from. Look at Deuteronomy 8 and look at verse 3. He says, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Notice verse 4. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. He says, look, I'm the one that sustained you. I'm the one that blessed you. I'm the one that gave you. He said I, Later on in the back, he says, I'm the one that gives you the power to get strength. Hey, th- to get wealth. Doesn't the Bible say every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and come it down from the father of lights listen to me when you start when you start feeling that because don't, don't we all feel it we get a little pride filled when you start feeling that well up just, just remember where you came from you were a sinner on your way to hell you were a child of wrath you were a child of disobedience God did not have to come down to this earth to save you. God did not need anything from you. It was his compassion and love that sent his son to die on the cross for you. You did not deserve it. What you deserve is to die and go to hell. Maybe we ought to write that down somewhere. Just put it on our mirror in the morning. You deserve to die and go to hell. It is the grace of God that saved you. Remember where you came from. Remember where your blessings come from. Remember that it is God who gives you the strength to get wealth. Remember that every blessing comes from God. Number three, we're done. Deuteronomy 8, look at verse 5. This is a good one to remember. Remember where chastisement comes from. Notice verse 5, Deuteronomy 8, verse 5. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart. He said, I want you to consider this in your heart. I want you to remember this. That as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. He said, I want you to remember that in the same way that a father will spank his son, the Lord will spank you. Verse 6, therefore, for this reason, because God, like a loving heavenly father, will chastise you in the same way that a father, uh, that a man will chase his son. He says, therefore, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to fear him. You say, what do, what do I do? What do I do when my heart starts getting lifted up and I begin to forget God and the commandments of God and what God wants in my life? You say, what, what do I do? You remember this, where you came from. You remember this, where your blessings come from. Everything you have was given to you by God. Amen. And God can take it away at any moment. Right. That's right. And remember where chastisement comes from. Remember that it is God who chastens us. The Bible says, Despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth every son whom he receiveth. Remember that we have a heavenly father. Because, you know, what's the problem with, what's the, problem with the lifted heart? And we have to deal with this lifted heart because, the pro, you know, we're going we're gonna to deal with bitterness. Some people have a root of bitterness. But bitterness is rooted in pride. We're going to talk about anger. And wrath. You know why we get angry? And and the Bible says, be be angry and sin not. And I believe you can have anger without sinning. And and Jesus was angry, and of course, he did not sin. And we'll talk about what that means. But more often than not, when you and I are angry, it's because we're in our flesh. And it's just an issue with pride. Depression is self-centeredness, is pride. And we have to be able to identify. You have to be able to understand. You have to be able to know that when our hearts get exalted, when we feel like we deserve more, we deserve better, just remember, you deserve to die and go to hell. And anything you have came from God. And He can take it away. He can chastise you at any moment. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we deal with pride, Lord, every, every single person... I, I can say this without any issue. Every single person in this room struggles with pride, including me, especially me. Every human deals with pride. It's something that we must learn to keep in check. Our hearts are prone to wander. Our hearts have a tendency to be lifted up, especially in the midst of your blessings and in success. And Father, I pray you'd help us. Lord, I pray you'd help us to identify pride in our lives and to not forget, and to not fight, to not persecute, to not scorn. Help us to remember where we came from. Help us to remember where our blessings come from. Help us to remember who it is that chastises us. Lord, I pray you'd help us to walk humbly before you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.